Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. Welcome back. Welcome in general. Welcome Wednesday. Um, It is The Daily Sales Show. If you've never joined in before, we host a live show every single day right here. You can find the entire schedule at sellbetter.xyz or by scanning that QR code on your screen. As people are filtering in to join us, I would love if you would change your chat to everyone. So on your chat, it says the little blue box says host and panelists. If you switch that over to everyone, let us know where you're tuning in from. Maria and I have the Carolinas locked down. (laughs) North Carolina, South Carolina, Maria. Um, and we're just so excited that you're here joining us today. Big shout out to our fabulous partners, Apollo, Demand Base, and Revenue. Uh, I'm going to really quickly drop in the chat as soon as it kind of slows down here, a little link for you. If you want to try Apollo for free, we have a link right there. But if you're interested, if you're a sales leader and you're interested in getting a discount for your whole team, this is free for um, individual contributors. If you're interested in discount for your team, you can ping me on LinkedIn or in the chat here and I'll get you a special code to use for your team for a discount there. It's an exciting day. Maria and I are here to talk to you about segmenting and strategizing your accounts. The one and only Maria Bross. And it is a Maria and Leslie week, right? Yes, I mean, are you so excited? Just a full week of me. <laughs> uh, you're the best. And I'm so excited to be working on these things with you two days in a row, back to back. You are. And I'm everyone here, you're going to hear Maria has fantastic information, ideas, like a strategy around how we're going to execute this. We're going to go through talking about um, these are our main topics here, like bucketing your accounts, key categories for segmenting, and then strategy. What are we going to do with it after we actually do that? Really quick question for everyone to see who is joining us in the room. I know Riley is here. Hey, Riley. You got any puns for us today, Riley? I feel like that uh, you'll keep us keep us going in the chat with the puns. But as we're running that poll, Maria... We all know we should bucket our accounts, or we all have this idea that we know we should bucket our accounts. Can you start us off by a little why behind that? What's going on with the why? Oh, that was the wrong question to ask me, Liz. I'm about to get on my soapbox. I'll try not to. Uh oh. Then I think it's I think it's just so important. You think about like a painter, right? And they're before they go and they get a paintbrush and they start flapping paint up on the walls, they're going to be taping up and covering up the furniture so that they don't make a mess right so that when they actually are painting it's going to look nice and be efficient and so that's what professionals do this is like the same thing for salespeople, right and i what i think it comes down to is it, yes it takes time hopefully your leadership is helping you do this and you're not just trying to figure it out alone as a rep but um I think what it comes down to is like, all right, you've only got, let's say you're an AE and you've got two hours to prospect a day, if that, right? That's probably a generous Yeah. <laughs> well, let's say you're you're prioritizing prospecting two hours a day, two one-hour prospecting blocks. How do you maximize 
your energy, your prospecting energy during that day because you only have so much energy. Uh, and so when you're focusing on the right accounts that have the highest likelihood of converting into qualified pipeline and close on business and happy customers, then you're utilizing that that prospecting time in the best way possible. Um, so I think that it's it's really smart to be intentional about segmenting those accounts, getting your messaging uh, aligned with with those different groupings too. The preparation, the the getting ready, like I like the way that you're talking about the people who are most likely to purchase from you and like who who's more likely to answer the phone, who's more likely, like if you only have that, you're protecting that window. Yeah. It's like you're protecting with your drop cloth if you're a painter. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. This is this is giving me Riley Riley vibes right now to make me use different analogies, but it's it's um it's so true. And like think about it with chef, it's like chopping up your vegetables before, like, and all the getting the ingredients out before you go in and make a dish. Like this is what professionals do, and it's yeah. the for salespeople. Yeah, meal prep. Okay, I love it. So, um. When you when I'm thinking about buckets, I feel like there's so many different directions I can go that a lot of times it's like you have to have some sort of plan walking into it, right? Like there has to be a strategy before I just start segmenting out my accounts. I want you to share with us kind of what you look at. But before you do, I'm just curious. One more poll and then I'll be done. I promise you guys. I love the poll. I love a poll, right? Um, do you currently have a strategy? on how you tier, like, here's my top tier accounts, or here's this bucket versus this bucket. I know that's vague, but I'm just curious. Um, but Maria, talk us through, I will, um, what's like the first couple things that you do whenever you're bucketing out your accounts? Absolutely. So I think it, it all starts with fit. Um, it starts with like, okay, who is our ICP? Who should we be targeting? What are characteristics of these best fit accounts, as well as the contacts among like the buying team, right, that are going to find um, what you do relevant. So I think it's it starts there um, and being able to segment that and depending on how many accounts you have into like three different buckets. So first, you want to think about your best fit, who's going to see the most value. Um, and then from there, it's like, okay, what sort of uh, triggers, observations, intent, if you have that type of information available to you, can we can we also prioritize within that grouping to to fine tune um, so that we can have really relevant messaging and again that likelihood of them having a need or a challenge that you can help solve, and then from there, like let's get to it further of good data, right? Especially if if the phone is a part of your prospecting strategy, which I highly recommend. I'm sure Leslie. <laughs> Um, definitely recommend multi-channel, but the phone should be part of it. And um, if you don't have good quality contact information, they haven't been updated since 2019, let's say, like you're likely striking out on the phones. You're not getting those humans live. And so I think that's another piece of it is like, let's prioritize at least for those like phone steps within your sales sequences, direct lines and mobile numbers. Let's quit calling these headquarter lines. We know that people, like even if there is a dial by name directory, uh, you're likely not get, getting that person live on the phone. I'm sure there's some industries that you can call into that where that's, you know, that's the only way to do it. But majority of folks that I speak with stop calling headquarter numbers. Yeah. Or like if you're calling a headquarter number, um, is there like a department or something? I usually like try to find 
uh, sales or is there somewhere that you find will direct you to the right person more often than not? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's some industries like if you're calling into like public sector or um, like higher ed, like yeah. that'll be the case. Um, but if you're calling like B2B, don't do it. <laughs> Hot tip. Hot tip. And then like getting stuck in the phone tree forever. It's not doing you any favors. You're not making pipeline from sitting in the phone tree. Yeah. Uh, I'd, if you're in B2B, I'd say skip it. But that's that's just that's just my opinion. Uh, that that's what we've seen at least too. When we disposition calls, we looked at the data. Those those conversations aren't going where they're leading to to nothingness. So again, when we go back to like protecting that energy of valuable prospecting time that you have, let's prioritize those mobile and direct lines, and then email or if your prospects are on LinkedIn, like you leverage those other channels if you don't have a a good quality uh, direct or mobile number. Okay, so. Before we even get into segmenting our messaging, you're looking at fit first. You're looking at, are they a good fit? Are they in your ideal client profile? Do they have some sort of need? If we can see that information, we'll push them up. And then do I have good data for them? Do I have a mobile number or a direct line? Those three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And those three are most important. And I think the biggest mistake too is that uh especially if you're working very closely with marketing, no offense to marketing, I think they're fantastic, but sometimes they'll prioritize that intent bucket like over fit. And so sometimes we'll be spinning our wheels on contexts that maybe are like showing indicators of shopping for what you sell, but you know, they're completely opposite of the best fit and the customers that are actually seeing success. So that's something to think about too. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, like especially coming out of conferences, um, you know, like the intent or the need or that that data could be that they just stopped by the booth. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're in your ICP, right? They could have just wanted your really cool swag. <laughs> they likely just wanted your really cool swag. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like just because they're showing up to something doesn't always mean that their organization is a good fit to purchase from you. Really great point. Yeah. Um, okay, so now talk to me about like when we're actually getting into the messaging, how are you splitting up? You already have this like really good, here's the people who are great fit for me. I've got mobile numbers. Now, how do you kind of go from there and bucket them out again? Yeah, so I think when we when you think about like a super efficient prospecting process and really dialing that in, I think about batching like tasks, right? You're batching the all like activities at once so that you can just like go down a call list and make those calls and be prepared. You're going down, you know, the emails that you have to get done for the day. And so that makes you extremely fast, but it's it's a difficult thing to do. So how do you set up an environment where you can batch those like tasks and also like talk tracks? So the way that we set up our sequences or cadences uh, is going to be by a shared, by grouping contacts into a sequence based on a shared reason for the call. Um, and that way, uh, you're not having to like do research in between each dial that you're making and like not really understanding what you're looking for and how that's relevant. And uh, that really slows down the team. I know I was super guilty of that because I was nervous to pick up the phone and I needed to know everything about everybody. But where I made the call, I didn't want to sound like uneducated on the phone. But I found that if you can just find that one piece that makes it like you calling relevant you can have conviction in that that call 
uh, group that together. And that comes with like identifying. This is so going down to how you break that up. That comes with identifying those triggers for outreach. Something that you can observe, like you know, notice that you're hiring, and you can tie that to your you know the challenge that you help solve. Notice that you've got this round of funding. Whatever whatever that that thing is that would be like, oh, this could be relevant for them, and this is why I'm calling them. If you have something like that, ideally group that together, especially in those top tier accounts that that you have and um, you want to have more of that like personalized messaging. And then also if like all else fails for maybe the bottom tier accounts, especially if you have a lot to be reaching out to, uh, you can group that by persona, by industry. Uh, there's a number of different ways that you could do it. But I think high level, the the big picture takeaway that I've found and learned from lots of failure and and some success now like seeing results from it is um is grouping by that shared like reason for contacting so you could just go down those down those calls and not have to do tons of research yeah i yeah. know um shout out to mason who just said failure is the best teacher i agree i'm a product product of that <laughs> it's the only way we learn um uh sean also asked are we talking just new logos or expansion within existing clients? I think it could be both. What Maria, do you think there's like a difference in how you segment or it's pretty similar? I think it could be similar. I'm coming from the perspective of of net new logo business. Um, and I think, you know, when you would introduce clients upsell expansion that brings in and in also inbound leads, let's say if you're getting that, that brings in additional complexities and um I would say from there, that's almost like segment based on like their product install. If you're selling in tech, like if, you know, you could do it based on like what they currently have and like the upsell potential for that. I don't know. I'm not the best person to ask for. I'm like upsell expansion. I'm, I'm pretty much speaking just from a new logo perspective. Yeah. Maybe like some added buckets would be like churn risk or, um, yes, uh, or like, um, who knows? Like their product utilization. I was trying to think of that word and it, it finally came to me. Okay. So we have our buckets for how they fit with us. We have our buckets for messaging. Um, oh, really quick, I want to share so people know that they're not alone. Um, look, there's like everybody, no matter what category you are in, you're not alone. There's so many other people who are in the same bucket as you right now. But just thinking through ideas of how we can do this, especially if like you're at this end of quarter, end of the month time, you have a couple of days here to kind of get yourself in order to tackle the last quarter of this year. Um, I know that it's something that you're so passionate about, Maria. Talk to me about sales math. And this is coming from someone who is like a D student in math, but I've come to love math because of sales and commission checks, and I've, I've had to learn it. Um, so anyways, if anyone has read like Atomic Habits or is a James Clear fan, this should kind of sound familiar to you. But one of the things that used to give me tons of anxiety as a rep uh, and as a sales leader too, was just like looking far away at this really big number of like, holy smoke, like how are we going to do this? Right? Like you have this, you know, qualified pipeline member, or you have a year-end quota and you're sitting on nothing at the start of a quarter or a year and like just wow that's a, that's a big goal what do I do and so I think if we are able to break what that sales math allows you to do is break 
down that big goal into like daily activities based on your conversion rate to do every single day. So instead of just, you know, working, focusing on this big, scary number that you have, you can just say, okay, what is in my control? What can I execute on today to get me closer to this this larger outcome of, of quota attainment? So I think if we design this environment and very specific metrics that we hold ourselves accountable to on a daily basis uh, and just execute on what's in our control on the daily activities of what you need to do today to get there, and that's the outcome, right? Yeah. Then then we can be successful in achieving it and at least have a lot of um just like be proud of 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 our discipline and what we did to get there even if for some reason we do fall short at least we know we did everything we possibly could and we executed on the plan and so that's always what i i asked of for my team is just like let's find out those numbers let's let's put in all of the effort all of the work and um and a lot and most of the time it, it ended up with that as the outcomes we focused on the daily thing daily activities that you could do to do that and so that's what the math gives you the math will spit out exactly like your conversion rates and and what you need to do working backwards from the goal i well i love atomic habits maddie that's the title of the book that maria referenced james clear is the author and he puts out a Thursday email that is like one of the things that I read on a consistent weekly basis. I will go hunt it down. It is so good. It's short and easy to get through. But he also every December sends out like a really cool thing to help you break down your goals. So get on his email list. Big fan. Um, okay, so you said a whole lot there that is, yeah, I will, uh, Maria, um, from Sell Better, do you mind grabbing the link to James Clear Atomic Habits for us while we're chatting? Um, the perfect, thank you, Eric. Um, I like there's so many things that you went through here that I want to like talk about when we're looking at our goals and it being overwhelming. The same is true, I think, with account planning. And I'm if if you have a huge list of accounts to call into thinking about how you're going to cut these up, like that's why it doesn't happen so frequently. Do you have anything like, do you, I mean, you mentioned having your leadership help you. Is there a way you can ask for that? Or is there some way that people can maybe chunk that down in terms of breaking their accounts into buckets that you've seen work well? Yes. So I think i it makes me so sad when I hear stuff like this. So in actually one of the comments on the LinkedIn post promoting this, someone wrote about how like, oh man, that's my biggest regret is not from being like an SDR is not having that more clearly defined who our ICP is. Mm. And so I'm taking deep breath right now, but I think like your leadership team is demanding a lot from you as sellers, right? You've got a quota to hit and their job is to help create that environment where you get to that outcome. And so one of the things that they can do, one of the two of the most important things that they can do for you to get you to that number outside of coaching and all of the other really important things that they should be doing as your sales leader is number one, getting you a very, very clear uh, description and characteristics of who your ICP is. Um, and based on data, based on product roadmap, based on um, close one business and successful clients that are renewing year over year, 
uh, and based on real calls and conversations. And you like it should be definitely something that's dynamic and something that you give feedback on to as you're calling into these groups so that like it can evolve over time. Uh, But hold them accountable to that. They they owe you that like from marketing, from RevOps, if you're lucky enough to have that type of group in your team from your direct hiring manager, you need that. You need that to be successful. Don't try to go out that alone. They're there to support you. And the second piece of that is reliable contact information and mobile numbers. If you're an SDR sitting in this this audience right now and you do not have access to mobile or direct lines, like that is my advice to you. Say, you want me to make 100 dials? I'm gonna need some reliable phone numbers to do that. So protect your time. This is where I start. I see Marina. I love it. (laughs) Like, demand that from your leadership team, right? You care about hitting your goal. You need that from them. That's their investment in you. Yeah. Great point. I am like thinking back to um, the segmenting piece of things. Uh, Someone put it in the Q&A part. Do you use hot, warm, cold, tier one, two, three, gold, silver, platinum, bronze. Like what's your kind of segmenting? Where do you put that on the account? Is it something everyone can see? Is it something you can only see? What's What's been your experience there? Yeah. How you operationalize it in your CRM uh, is just kind of a, a complex thing that hopefully a few different teams are together to figure out the best process for that. But what I think I've I've found, and it depends if you have an SDR team and an AE team together, but I really love that collaboration of like, okay, you know, we're our territory or we're assigned as like a SDR AE team is 200 accounts, right? How do, where do we start? Like, where do we go from here? And I think you just boil that down to depending on how many like relevant contacts are within those accounts, figuring out, okay, these five accounts we're focusing on this week as the SDR and AE team. And like, you know, your SDR, maybe you go below the power line prospecting, finding research, and then the AE, maybe they go above the power line uh, prospecting and like executing on that research, doing so that personalization, working collaboratively. So I think you just kind of get hit it like a couple accounts at a time, um, prioritizing by those, again, those, those three different tiers of like best fit to intent, to um, to reliable contact information. The other thing you said that I would love for you to underscore around like the sales math piece, when we were talking about chunking it down, you were talking about using your numbers, like your data. Yeah. We're all given like, here's the make this many dials and here, you know, like we're in bands of quota typically, right? Where it's based off of the numbers of the organization or our industry, our team, and this is what you need to do to be successful. Um, but you said something powerful, like looking at where you find success, looking at your numbers. Any big magical Maria moments there for us? I don't know how magical. I've, I feel like I've learned this the hard way too, but what made your frontline manager successful is not necessarily going to make you successful. And a lot of times when they don't have the data or the coaching or leadership training that th- that they need as as managers, they say just make more dials, right? Because they don't know what else to do. Higher volume calls, we're going to get a better outcome, but that might not be the best way for, for you to get to the, your number. So I think knowing your own conversion rates as a rep, hopefully you have dashboards and data for that and you can 
um, you know, work with in different areas like that with your team. But for example, like we had a rep, Melanie, um, when I was a was a managing an AE team who like did not need to make any phone calls. She just sent video prospecting emails all day long. She'd send 10 a day and she'd get over quota. So it's like, I'm not going to tell her to make 100 dials. Just, you know, do do what you're doing, right? It's, it's right. working. That's an extreme example, but different things are going to work better for different people. That's not to say, you know, you don't have to make dials if, if you're better at email. You should probably try to do multi-channel because they they all work off of each other. Um, but know your own conversion rates and know what you need to do working backwards from that number based on your own specific conversion rates. The so same maybe too. And some people are going to be higher volume type reps. Some mm-hmm. people just send out and that's cool too. Um, but at least they have the data to know that. Maybe they're going to send out more um, just like the, the persona based stuff versus like based on specific personalization. Um, and that's fine. Cool. Like have them, be, they're going to need more dials or more emails to get to their number. And if they're cool with that, then then go for it. And then there's going to be some reps that like they can get super personalized and they read the 10Ks and they um, do video and they get super creative with like their outreach and they're going to need less activity. Uh, so, so take that into consideration. It's not one size fits all. I think it's like it, if we're talking about that what not one size fits all, this is going back to what you said at the very beginning. You were like, you're prioritizing your time and your energy. So being able to do those creative custom pieces for that tier one or your platinum or whatever we're calling them, right? Like that mm-hmm. top piece right there, it's so important for you and your time and energy. You're not going to personalize and research the same way for someone who's a tier three or your lower not as great of a fit you don't have great contact info that sort of thing yes yeah you're optimizing like optimizing the energy that you're spending on those on those folks that are the have the highest likelihood of turning into a successful customer um and and so yes to spend the time and energy there and do higher volume i would recommend on on those those folks that maybe you don't have as much information on or um are not as great of a fit. And then I think like if you don't have like we you can do this in an Excel spreadsheet. Is it ideal? No. But if you don't have like the tools, the support, you can definitely do this in an Excel spreadsheet. Go old school. Like if I had a phone book at my first job, you know, like that's right. My, my little like grab art to hear people do nothing to be able to do it in Salesforce. But yes, it's better or whatever. If you don't have the tools or yeah, or HubSpot or wherever you're doing it, uh, but yeah, hopefully you're not having to do it in Excel. But if you have to, you got to do what you got to do, right? You would uh, do. Any quite We have a few more minutes here, so if you have any questions for Maria, make sure you pop them into the Q and A. Um, I want to like go back to the piece where it's like we're compiling down, right? Like we're trying to compress our goals. And um, I think about this so much in, have you seen this thing? It's on Instagram, TikTok, wherever you're going, where it's like eat. A, someone asks you to eat a stack of 10 tortillas and you're like, I could never eat 10 tortillas. But if you cut them into quarters and fry them and make them tortilla chips, you could eat the whole bowl. And it's thinking about like your goals that way. Because I don't like people always say eat an elephant one bite at a time. I can't picture that. But I can picture 10 tortillas and a bowl of tortilla chips 
I have crushable tortilla chips, but I like there's no way I could eat 10 plain tortillas. You're you're vegetarian after hearing about Trouble the Cow because he's cute and I can't I can't it's it's so cute. But anyways, yes, I I agree. It's like it's thinking about like breaking it down, focusing on what those like taking those those small bites of tortillas (laughs) and um, making sure you can control what you can control and break it down in that way versus so focused on the big number for the quarter or for the year because like what did the james clear says this of atomic habits like winners and losers they have the same goals they do like the difference is is the the process like the the commitment to the process and executing on it to get to there to that so like focus on the process y'all because i've i've focused on lots of goals and and didn't get there uh if i didn't have a process to do it so um, so these types of things help you. The the accounts of segmentation help helps you get there. One of those controllable things, and also the knowing your your conversion rates and your like top of funnel activity, um, and what's gonna what you need to do today to stay committed. And and that also helps with discipline too. When you don't feel like doing your prospecting lock, being able to show up despite like that lack of motivation on a particular day. Like that's that's what's gonna be so rewarding at the end when you actually just go. You can go back and be proud and be like, "I did the work. I did the work to get there." And, and that's what it takes, y'all. Like sales is not easy. It takes that type of work. That was like such a beautiful truth bomb. Um, I loved it. So breaking it down. If you're gonna leave today, like even if you just take ten accounts and try to tear them out the way that Maria went through. Just so you can like practice and get into it, then you'll set yourself up for tomorrow or for whenever you're going to make dials. Like here's the order that I'll call them in so that I'm not just starting in the middle of the phone book. I'm actually specifically going through. Um, We are no show tomorrow here at Sell Better. Tomorrow and Friday, we're taking off for end of quarter to let everyone focus. But Maria and I are back at noon. We're on LinkedIn Live together. If you want to join us, we got a link in the chat here for you. If you want to see upcoming shows, you can head to sellbetter.xyz and find them there. And we will be back. I'm coming back on Monday with Will Aiken, actually. And uh, so you can join us on Monday for that show. But Maria, thank you for sharing your knowledge, your joy, your passion with all of us. Um, we have Maria's LinkedIn here in the chat for everyone too. But any last final moments for you? Yeah, I think just come to Put Me In Coach. It's back to back Leslie Maria week, and we're going to be talking more about this. And now I'm going to be like tables are turning. I'm interviewing Leslie tomorrow, and uh, we're going off on this topic for for starting Q4 strong. So love to see you there, and uh, and thanks everybody for your, for your questions. DM me too if if, if we got, didn't get to a question that you had. Bye, everyone. Have a good afternoon.